but he always loved coming to see me race and his, he loved watching people run because that was something that, you know, he wanted to do, but he just physically couldn't. Diz Runs Radio, episode 1052, starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey, y'all. Real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, quick reminder that if you would like the opportunity to work with me for free, you can absolutely do it. We can make it happen because at the beginning of each month, which is this episode comes out, is just a couple of days away. This is a good time to get yourself in it. Uh, I pick a random winner of the giveaway each month to get a free training plan, good for the race of, their, of, of your choice. And quite frankly, if you'd rather not use it for a race, maybe you want to use it during a base building period, getting back on track, maybe, maybe whatever. If you want to work with me for 16 months for free, I got, I've got the hookup for you. Disruns.com slash giveaway is the link. Uh, once you get there, you enter your name, you enter your email address, bada boom, bada bam. You are automatically in the hat, hoping to be picked, reaching, reaching for the, uh, the random number generator, pull your number and get yourself picked. And, uh, I pick one winner each month and uh, it's, it's not some half baked plan. It's not some one size fits all thing. I do have those available now. If you, if you remember back, I, I mentioned we've got those available these days. Um, and also obviously we got the, the full-time coaching that I do. But, you know, if, if, if it's not in the budget, hey, I get it. No worries. You can get it for free. The same level of care, the same level of um, interaction and all the, the bells and whistles that everybody gets when they sign up for a training plan. But you get it for free. Dizruns.com slash giveaway is the link. You can also get yourself entered at Dizruns.com. Right there on the homepage, there's a button that says click here to enter. I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but you click that button. And there's a little pop-up. You still enter your name. You still enter your email address. And uh, you're still entered in the same place. Your, your name still is in the same hat, hoping to get picked by the same random number generator. A couple of concerns. Does that put you on my email list? Yes. Are my emails worth reading? Also, yes. Am I biased about how the quality of my emails? Also, also, yes. But I do think, for the for the most part, my emails, uh, they're more like blog posts. They're, at least they try to be more like blog posts than kind of the, the spammy newslettery type of things that you might be familiar with. So hopefully you'll find them worth a read, maybe, maybe worth a laugh or a groan. <laughs> Probably more groans than laughs, but maybe worth a laugh once in a while. Hopefully a little bit of useful information, kind of like this show. A few laughs, lots of groans, every once in a while something useful. But uh, again, that's, that's getting yourself entered to, to win free training plan. You're automatically re-entered each month, so you only got to do it once, and you're good to go. Uh, Dizruns.com slash giveaway or right there at the homepage, Dizruns.com. Any questions, let me know. And now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey, y'all. Today's guest is a a guy that enjoys a good good run as much as any of us, but uh, I think it's safe to say, and I think we'll we'll probably get to it as we go today, that his best runs are uh, never a solo endeavor. Uh, he and his wife are the co-founders of Team, Team Hoyt, Oklahoma, and uh, he's also an ambassador for Zensa Socks and Squirrel Nut Butter. And, uh, you know, as, as, I, as I said at the beginning, lots of things to talk about today, especially that uh, Team Hoyt connection and, and running with, with his son, which, again, we'll get into as we go. But uh, it's a pleasure today to be able to chat with Mr. Eric Heine. So, Eric, thanks for joining us today, and welcome to the show. 
Thanks so much for having me, Denny. Yeah, looking looking forward to it. And y'all, if you enjoyed today's conversation um, and you want to connect with Eric on Twitter, his handle there is his name, at Eric J. Heine. And, and I'm going to need to spell that for you probably because Eric, you might guess a couple different spellings. He's, he's Eric with a K, E-R-I-K, then the letter J, H-E-I-N-E, all one jumblation of letters there, at Eric J. Heine. Um, and if you want to kind of find out more about Team Hoyt, Oklahoma, that's a good website to connect with him as, and, and the organization there. And it's just teamhoytok.com. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 1052 is the link back to the show notes for today. As per usual, we'll have everything linked up there, links, photos, the whole nine. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 1052. So, Eric, the way we always start off each episode of the show is with uh, a pretty simple and straightforward question. Sometimes the answer is pretty simple and straightforward. Sometimes it's a, a little bit of a hammer and a har because there's a lot of good options out there. But one way or the other, it starts the conversation, then we just kind of take it from there. And that's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? All right, that's a great question. And it largely depends on what age I'm at in life. When I was in high school, it was an 800-meter race. That was what I ran in high school, and that's what I loved. And I love just leaving it all out there on the track and, and being absolutely exhausted by the end. Uh, now, if you asked me to run an 800 meter as hard as I could, it would probably just about be the end of me. Um, I'm a little bit older now, so uh, even the 5K takes a, takes a toll on me. It's hard to, to get going uh, with pushing my son Steven in a wheelchair. It's just I just don't have the, the same sort of speed I used to. So now my favorite distance to run is a half marathon. It's long enough that I have a chance to sort of work my way into it and accelerate after the first couple miles. Uh, it's a distance that requires you to put in the work, but it doesn't absolutely require you to devote every element of your life to it like training for a marathon does. And it's great because I can recover from it in about a week and feel good again uh, and ready to go in any sort of running endeavor in about six or seven days following a good solid half marathon race. Gotcha. Yeah. That's uh, that, that, that makes all the sense in the world. And, and uh, I, I love the idea of, of, you know, kind of <laughs> as, as life changes um, sometimes the perspective certainly of running, but of lots of things change as well. And, and the idea of, you know, 800 meters used to be your jam and now 800 meters is like, Oh heck no. Um, and, and just how, for some of us distance runners, like that short, fast stuff, just, you know, I'll take the, I'll take the slow burn grind of, of half marathons and longer over just that intense heat of, you know, whether it's 800 meters, mile, 5k, like all that stuff, just too, too, too fast from the get go for me. Oh, absolutely. I still remember the first road race I ran as a, as a kid, it was right after I graduated high school. And it was a 5K and a 10K. And, you know, coming from the 800, I ran the 5K. I ran, you know, cross country too. But I looked at the 10K and thought, what sort of an idiot would want to run six <laughs> miles? And now here I am running half marathons and further on a regular basis. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So clearly running has been, been part of your life for, for a while, you know, running track in, in high school and, and growing up and things like that. Um, do, you, do Can you... Can you describe what drew you to track? Because I know some of us, I'm one of them, um, the idea of running track in high school was laughable. Like, I'll run as part of a quote-unquote other, you know, real sport, if you will. Um, obviously, don't think that now, but that was my thought process back then. Uh, so the idea of just 
you know, a sport where running was the only thing that you would do was, was a non-starter for me. And then there's, of course, there's the folks that loved track in high school and continued running on forever. Um, but what, what drew you to track back in, back in your younger days? Well, I'd, I'd always been a, a runner and I played soccer, you know, from the time I was four probably. Okay. Um, and so I always just loved running and, and so running was never any sort of an obstacle. It was always fun. Um, but I also played baseball. And really the thing that pushed me toward track was the inability to hit a curveball in high school. <laughs> I'm not going to lie about that. It was just devastating. And um, I didn't end up making the sophomore baseball team. So uh, the track team was looking for some middle distance folks. And I had some pretty decent foot speed and ended up going that way and sort of moving away from soccer because I enjoyed running so much that then I shifted my fall sport to cross country. Gotcha. Gotcha. Did you uh, continue running all the way through, through high school or I'm sorry, through, through college and basically through till today or were there, were there some gaps in the journey along the way? Oh goodness. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I did that thing where I fell off the wagon in college and I was a lot more interested in other things than running. Um, and so I, I totally fell off the wagon. I tried to keep running my freshman year and I would do, you know, 10 mile runs on Sunday and then forget to run the rest of the week. Um, and so it just sort of fell apart for me. Um, and when I got my master's, I tried to start running again and I just never really took off. And finally in the last year of my doctoral program, when I was writing my dissertation, I just decided, look, I got to do something. Because all I'm doing is is spending 40 hours a week writing this 350-page thing. Mm -hmm. So I've got to do something. So when I was in Austin, I joined a year-long thing, which was called the Austin Distance Challenge, which was an eight-mile or an eight-race series that started in September and culminated in the Austin Marathon. And it was like 100 miles over eight races. Okay. And the first race was the Congress Avenue mile. And there are all sorts of races from 10K to half marathon to 30K. And, you know, so all these different distances. And it sort of built you up to get to that full marathon distance. So that's when I sort of got back into it. But along the way, I had a, a wonderful uh, physical crisis. And about a month before the marathon, I had run a 30K. And things were going great for the first, oh, I don't know, seven, eight miles. And then my legs started to hurt. And it was very strange. It was a different sort of pain that I'd ever had before. And I got to the end. I got through it all and, you know, got a massage at the tent afterwards because that's one of the perks when you run a 30-kilometer race is they have free massage tents. And I thought that would sort of work everything out. And this was on a Saturday. And then it was Sunday. And my legs still really hurt. And I went, well, it's you know, been a while since I've run that far. So, okay. But then Monday they hurt even worse. And this was uh, Martin Luther King day. And I remember this because I wasn't teaching. And so I went to uh, the doctor and the doctor said, so what have you been doing? And I said, well, I've been running. And he said, ah, your legs are probably just sore. Didn't take any x-rays. That's a key part of this. So it took me about 10 days to be able to just try and run half a mile again. And so two weeks after the 30 K was a half marathon and I sucked it up and got through it. And then I don't think I ran again until 
the full marathon in mid in mid February and sucked it up and got through it. And, uh, two weeks later, you know, we're back into early March now and my legs are just killing me. You know, every step is painful. So I went to the sports med place at UT and they took x-rays and the doctor came in and said, okay, so you've now shown me something I've never seen before. You have stress fractures in both of your femurs. What is wrong with you? And I said, well, I've been running a lot. She said, well, didn't it hurt? And I said, well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm a doctoral student. I finished what I start, and I had to finish the series. And she said, oh, you're duh. Come on. So the, uh, the treatment was no running for 18 months. Wow. And so after having built up to being able to do a full marathon, not running for 18 months was just devastating. I just didn't even know what to do with myself anymore. Um, and so once I got to Oklahoma city and, you know, started my teaching gig here, um, I had a bunch of false starts and finally in, I guess, 2013, I had some consistency and then starting in 2014, I had a lot of consistency and every year since then I've been running 2000 plus miles a year and things have been staying pretty healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wow, my my head's spinning a little bit, and, and uh, because in, in, at least in part, uh, and I don't know if you know this, but I know some of the folks that listen have heard me mention my background before. My background is in athletic training and sports medicine, and um, you know, like kind of athletic training one hundred and one is anything with the femur is pretty serious because oh yeah, uh, you know it's it's a pretty serious bone. Um, it's it's designed to handle a lot. And uh, anytime you start injuring the, the, the femur, we got, we've got serious problems. And for those that don't speak somewhat medical jargon, the femur is your thigh bone, the, the bone that connects your hip to your knee. Um, basically the strongest bone in the body. Basically the strongest bone in your body. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, goodness gracious, running with, with dueling stress fractures. Like, um, did, did, you, did you assume, if, if, you, can, if you can think back to, to that time, did you assume that that was that, that it was it, it was the potential to be that serious with how painful it was or or like what what was what were your thoughts of what the problem might have been before the diagnosis came through? I had no idea. I just didn't even know what to think because who has a fracture in their femur? I mean, it's just not a thing. Right? So it wasn't even on my radar that that could be the issue. I I just thought it was, you know, Maybe I just need to switch shoes or maybe I need to stretch more or maybe I need to change the surface that I'm running on or run on the treadmill less or, you know, whatever, it, anything but that. Did, did they ever give you any suggestions or ideas or hypotheses as to like how that how, like was it just from too many miles too quickly or like like what was, was there any um nutritional deficiencies or like any reasons that they can point to is like, this is why this might've happened. Yeah. It was a combination of, uh, being fitted in the wrong shoes mm -hmm. and, an underabundance of calcium. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've sort of, you know, I, I've gotten both of those issues fixed, of course. Right. Um, but the calcium issue, I just wasn't taking anything in, mm -hmm. in terms of like any dairy. So I wasn't getting anything. I wasn't taking any supplements and that combined with the wrong type of shoe 
Um, and you know, I didn't know anything about shoes back then cause I'd been out of it for so long. Um, so the, the combination of those two things I think is what did me in. I actually increased my mileage pretty intelligently yeah. and I had a, a plan on, on how to increase the miles. My uncle is a, a marathon runner and leads a training group up in the Minneapolis area. So he sent me a training plan and, you know, I followed it to the letter and everything was, you know, according to that plan and, and built up in the right sort of way. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, and, and again, you know, like I, I'm still spinning a little bit on this, this dueling femur situation, but, but, you know, you'd think in, in, you know, if I'm kind of sort of doing the math, like, not like, you know, like you're, you're in that prime of your prime years of, of life, like young, healthy, um, yeah. Stress fractures of the femur. Not exactly the, the first thing that would come to, to mind as the likely, likely probable cause, but 18 months off, which, you know, makes sense. You got to take some time, let the bones heal and then kind of work back into things. Um, did, did you, did you have any thoughts about not getting back into running? Like maybe, maybe take up cycling, maybe take up, you know, something else. I don't know. Like, like were there thoughts of like, eh, you know, maybe, maybe my best running days are behind me and, and, uh, let's, let's move on to something else. Oh man, that's how much I love running is that <laughs> that's, that's the thing that I want to do. I cannot be on a bike. Mm for that long. It's just not my thing. I'm not interested in it. Um, I don't want to do it. It's not comfortable. It's just not my thing. Some people love the bike and some people love cross training on bike and, oh, they can do that. That is just not my thing at all. Um, finding a, a pool to swim in was difficult. Um, so doing that sort of endurance swimming was not really in the cards. So it was just a, a matter of, well, we're going to let this heal and then ease back into it again. Mm-hmm. I've known a few people that have had just a, just a one, just a one, uh, femoral stress fracture. You, you're the, you're the overachiever. I know that had dueling ones that simultaneously. Um, but, but the, the, the couple of folks that I've talked to over the years that have had, you know, a femoral stress fracture injury, when they came back into running, obviously it was, it was something that was very much top of mind, lots of concern of re-injury. Um, I think in, in one case made it through healthily in one, another case, not so much. Um, but, but for you coming back into it 18 months later, like how concerned were you that your body would be able to, to hold up now that you at least had, had known at that point, like maybe some different shoes, maybe change the diet a little bit, but like, were you pretty confident that you'd be okay coming, coming back from the injury? I was terrified. Yeah. Um, it's, it's that thing where you're so locked into your body that every little t- mm-hmm. twitch and tingle you notice and you go, Ooh, Ooh, that felt weird. Oh, that's not good. It can't be good. Yeah, or, exactly. Or, Oh, I put my elbow on my thigh when I sat down and I felt a little zing. Yikes. Is this healed? I mean, I was, I was scared to death that it was never going to feel right. You know, and even 18 years later, I occasionally still feel a little twinge and go, oh, no. Um, you know, luckily, it, everything was fine. But, you know, anytime you have that sort of a, a injury that requires you to take off a year or more, you're always a little bit terrified to just sort of let it rip and see what happens. And for me, it was it was scary until... I finally really did let it rip one time and everything was all right. And I went, okay, well, I guess we're all good now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, you know, it, 
I just never, never can stop marveling at how adaptable our bodies are. And even, even when you push them to the breaking point, if you give them the chance to, to come back and, and recover, um, you know, they have a tendency to adapt and it sounds like, like that's happened. I mean, and if, if I, if I remember what you said correctly or heard you correctly, eight years straight of 2000 plus miles of running, that's, that's a, a pretty good level of consistency over the last, you know, better part of a decade. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's been, I've been very fortunate in that I haven't had anything serious happen. Um, I have a chiropractor that I see every month that sort of does a routine maintenance and make sure everything stays in alignment. And then uh, I'm a hundred percent sure that's one of the reasons that I've been as healthy as I have been for so long. Um, he's, he just does a wonderful job, make sure, you know, hips are good, legs are good, back is good. Um, you know, so thanks to him and thanks to, you know, good nutrition and, and taking care of myself, getting some decent sleep. I've been luckily fairly injury free for a little over eight years. Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty good, pretty good streak, especially if you, you know, believe the statistics, which I don't know why you wouldn't believe them. Uh, cause I can do is talk to enough runners that like, there's a pretty good number that, that are injured every year, whether it's half, whether it's 60%, whether it's 40% or whether it's, you know, somewhere even a little bit farther out of, out of the, that range. Um, still a, a good number. So if you're going on, on eight years with other than, you know, maybe a couple few niggles here and there, um, keep on keeping on cause it's clearly working for you. Yeah. Now I will say I did have a little calf tweak two weeks ago. Um, I was out running and pushing the wheelchair and being, uh, overly brave and confident and, uh, ultimately stupid and running into a 45 mile an hour wind. Um, and that's not a gust, that's just Oklahoma. Um, and so I turned a corner and the wind, I caught a gust and it blew so hard that it changed the direction of the wheelchair that I was pushing. And I tried to turn it back with my body and apparently my legs didn't like what the rest of my body was doing. And my calf went, stop it. <laughs> and I took about two more steps and went, oh, okay. And so, um, I've actually seen my, my, uh, sports med guy and had a couple of sessions, yeah, excuse me, sessions of acupuncture and a little bit of massage. And, you know, I've got a calf sleeve on and I'm, I'm running. It's not, you know, I'm not trying to go very fast, but I'm moving. So, you know, things are okay. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I don't know, 45 mile an hour winds. I, 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 I may complain once in a while about the heat and humidity of Florida, but, uh, yeah, 45 mile an hour winds. We don't have unless there's a hurricane. We don't have those going on. So you know, I I, uh, I guess I guess I've got that going for me if nothing else. Right. For me, that's just Thursday. It's just Thursday. Oof. Well, <laughs> better better you than me, my friend. So, um, you're talking about you know the, the the wheelchair tweaked you know in the wind gust catches it and, and tweaks the, the the calf a little bit. Um, let's let's talk about kind of getting into into running with with your son and kind of how that that came about. So. Um, I, I don't know how much of the personal details you want to get into or not. And, and of course, you know, we'll go into it as much or as little as you want to. But, um, you know, like how, how did it come about that, that you and your son would start uh, start running together? Like where, where on the timeline is that? And, and just kind of give us the backstory as much as you care to fill in the details. OK, this is this is like my favorite story. So um, so our son, Stephen, was born in uh, late uh, 2006. And pregnancy was fine. Everything went according to plan. Everything was normal. No, you know, nothing strange happened. Mm -hmm. 
Um, when he was about 18 months old, he was diagnosed with something called Rubenstein-Tabey syndrome. And it is a uh, randomly genetic syndrome that causes uh, gross motor delays and other physical delays and uh, some cognitive delays as well. And so, um, you know, he was a very, very late walker. He didn't learn to walk until he was close to three. Um, he is non-speaking, so he actually uses an iPad to communicate. Um, he's said maybe, I don't know, eight or ten words in his life. Um, so, you know, he, he's, he can move. He's ambulatory. He can run about 20 yards at the most. Um, he walking is not the easiest thing for him. You know, if you were to see him walk, you'd say, hmm, that's that doesn't look, quote unquote, normal. Um, but he always loved coming to see me race. And his he loved watching people run because that was something that, you know, he wanted to do, but he just physically couldn't. And he would always come and give out high fives and, and you know, everyone loves seeing Steven. So uh, back in 2014, I had a sabbatical, which uh, for those of you who don't know, when you are teaching at a university, uh, you can apply for a sabbatical where you get a semester off of teaching. Uh, but the other side of that is that you have to have some sort of a research project to be working on. And then the university actually wants you to follow through on that research project. You can't just, you know, submit an application, say, I'm going to do this and then not do it. The, the university, university is not very happy if you do that. Um, but just like when I was writing my dissertation, I decided I needed something really big to do. So I decided to enter a 24-hour race, which was held on a one-mile loop. Um, so you can sort of get the idea about what this is all about. It had like 50, 50 feet of elevation change every loop. Um, so, you know, it's not like it was running on a track, which is its own sort of, of hell for a certain amount of time. But uh, while we were there, the local running club, the Land Runners, uh, saw Stephen. And the president at the time came up to my wife and said, we have this program where we push uh, disabled individuals in wheelchairs and races. Would your son like to be a part of that? And we talked about it and went, yeah, that'd be great. So in December of 2014, uh, he ran his first race, which was a 10K, and I got to push him. And it was probably 38 degrees out, and he was freezing by the end of it, but he loved it. He thought it was the greatest thing in the world. So after that, we looked into uh, getting our own sort of uh, something larger than a jogging stroller because, you know, those only go up to a certain amount of weight. So this would be for, you know, someone like a grade school age person. Um, so we got one of those and I would run with him on weekends and, and we would do some races together. And then I had some friends uh, out on the East Coast who started a nonprofit called, um, oh, what is it called? Um, shoot, now I can't remember the name of it. Um, that's going to be embarrassing. I'll have right. to figure it out. Um, but anyway, it's a, a gentleman named Steve Cinco, and uh, they had about seven running wheelchairs. And, and we thought, wow, that is so cool. Um, 
you know, wouldn't it be great if we could do something like that, but, you know, we don't have the, the finances to do anything like that. Um, but it would be fun one day to do that. Uh, move to include, that's the name of the group out in Delaware. Finally just popped into my head. Yep. So um, a couple of years later then in 2016, um, see, I'm a guy who just has, you know, really bad ideas on a regular basis. Uh, I talked to my dean and I said, you know, what would be really fun for me would be to run a 12 hour race and raise money for an endowed scholarship here for the school of music. And he went, great. Sounds like fun. How many miles are you going to run? I said, well, when I did the 24 hours, I, I did 50 in, in 12 hours. So let's say 50, cause that's a, that's a good number. I know I can hit that. That's not, you know, that's not that many miles per hour. Um, and if you've never run any sort of a timed race, what you think you can do and what you can actually do are two wildly different things. It's amazing how much you slow down after eight or 10 hours, um, except for Camille Heron. She's, uh, yeah, right. yeah. she's a beast and you know, she lives 10 minutes away from me. She's wonderful. Um, but, uh, so he said, yeah, yeah, sure. Go ahead. It'll be fun. You go ahead and train for it. So, um, 50 miles was the target. And as I trained, uh, 60 became the target in about early August. And then in September, it became about 65. I thought I could get. And then it was 68 because, you know, I'm not foolish enough to think that I could do 70. And uh, then the day before the race in October, I was, you know, setting up my tent and a friend came up to me who uh, was running the race and he was a former U.S. 24-hour team member. He said, I've been watching your training and tomorrow you're going to run over 70 miles and you're going to win this thing. Mm. I said, no, but thanks. I appreciate you believing in me. Part of it is I ran 71.85 miles in 12 hours and won the whole thing. <sighs> There's a reason I say this. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So then... I made a deal with my wife who was like, okay, you're running too much. You need to be at home. Now we have a second child is too much. And I said, okay, I'm in as good of shape as I'm going to be in right now. And I turn 40 next year. And that means I get extra time if I wanted to try and qualify for Boston. So since I'm already here, let me run the Oklahoma city marathon in April and let me try and qualify for Boston. And if I qualify, then I'll run Boston, and that'll be my last marathon. And if I don't qualify, then it'll be my last marathon, and, and we'll just do shorter stuff. And she said, okay, fine. So uh, I got myself a coach, and uh, she trained the hell out of me. It was amazing. I was all set to uh, – oh, I'm skipping a part – um, I ran the Oklahoma City Marathon in 2017 and qualified. Mm. Yay! Yeah. It's great. Okay. And then uh, for Boston, I got myself a coach, and she was amazing and just beat me up and uh, gave me training plans the night before I was going to do it so that way I didn't have time to think about it, <laughs> right, to, to worry about, oh, no, this is what's on the yeah. schedule. And, uh, so I was running the 2018 Boston marathon and we all know what happened in 2018. It was a little cold and wet. And, uh, that day the weather was the winner. There were no other winners. Um, but you know, finished the thing and 
and uh, beat my bib number by 4,000 places, which I'm pretty proud of. And uh, relative to the day, it was a huge success. But we scheduled our whole trip around seeing Dick and Rick Hoyt talk at the expo. Mm. You know, the legendary father-son wheelchair duo team. And as we're sitting there in the room, we looked around the room and we saw people wearing Team Hoyt Virginia Beach, and Team Hoyt San Diego. And my wife and I looked at each other and just kind of said, okay, so we're going to approach him afterwards and and give him a 30-second pitch on Team Hoyt Oklahoma. And uh, that's what we did. And about a month later, I uh, got in contact with the right, right person. Uh, unsurprisingly, Dick was not the one that was saying yes or no. There was someone else, of course, behind him taking care of the logistics. And, uh, in May of 2018, we were approved to start Team Hoyt, Oklahoma. And in September, we got our, uh, 501c3 approval. And we've been operating this as a nonprofit ever since and raising money. And we have, uh, including Stephen's wheelchair that we own now, we have, uh, seven chairs that we can, uh, use for any race here in Oklahoma. Wow. That's, that's awesome how that all kind of comes together. And, and, um, you know, just, just one of those, one of the many areas of the running community where it's just like, yeah, like, you know, you kind of, you, you make it happen and, and this connection and, you know, just back from the guys that were watching, uh, or that were at the, at the race, um, that approached your, your wife and kind of, at least if, as I'm hearing it, maybe kind of got the ball rolling of getting Steven in a chair and, and getting out there and, and, I mean that's that's awesome. How how often do you do you run with Steven these days? Is it a is it a regular occurrence? Is it just on the weekends? Like how how often are you guys out there together? Uh I try and run with him as much as I can. When he's, you know, during the school year it's a little bit trickier mm-hmm. um because we can't run until after he gets home from school. So if it's, you know, too warm, right. um I'll have to run by myself earlier or on the treadmill or something and when that happens I can just put weights in the wheelchair. Um but during the summer we get out you know, pretty early seven, seven thirty, And I try and run with him six days a week and I'm old. So I need one day off, <laughs> but, uh, uh, he's done 1500 miles the last two years. Wow. So I do, uh, the vast majority of my running with him. And if it's not with him, I put weights in the wheelchair and do it. I'm actually psychologically tethered to the wheelchair. Now I can't run by myself outside anymore. It's just there's nothing in it for me. That that's something I was gonna gonna ask about about you know the the compare and contrast of running with the chair versus without. But I guess if if you're just doing it, you know, with the chair, whether he's in it or not, um, that kind of answers that question. But what, was it an, was it maybe an adjust? I, I'm, clearly, it was an adjustment. But how how much of an adjustment was it getting to you know getting accustomed to running while pushing? You know, with, with with pushing the chair, the, I'm sure that the the form changes a little bit. The arm swing isn't quite the same. Like like you know, I'm sure it was a bit of a process, like I said. But how how did you find the, the, that process going for you? Was it was it a huge obstacle, or was it just you know part of the part of the you know like it's time with your son, so it's it's worth it. Uh, it was a little bit of both. Um, his first chair, like I said earlier, was sort of like a jogging stroller kind of chair. So you've got your your arms out and your sort of pushing on this one bar. Uh, the new chair that we have now is uh, much more ergonomically designed. Um, it's got uh, sort of the arrow bars that you might see on a bike mm-hmm. and armrests. So your body is already sort of leaning forward 
not quite in a crouch position, but in that sort of leaned forward position. So I have absolutely no arm swing whatsoever because my arms are, are sort of locked into that position the whole time. Um, so my, my legs and hips and, you know, everything from the waist down now is, uh, extraordinarily built up because when you run up the hill, you don't get arm swing, you get drive from, from the hamstrings and from the glutes. And so, you know, sort of getting used to that shift took about two months. Um, but after that, it just, that's what feels natural to me now, you know, running on the treadmill, I can do it it's a challenge and I sort of have to will myself into doing it, but it's so different from what I'm accustomed to now that, like I said, running outside without pushing the wheelchair, my body, my brain kind of goes, what are you doing? That, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you not be pushing the chair? <laughs> and since, you know, I only race with Steven, then it makes sense to train with the chair as opposed to without. How much does Steven enjoy a, a good race? Oh, he loves it. It's the best thing because it's not uh, the usual course that we take. We can, we're sort of limited in where we can go. Luckily, the city built a bunch of new bike paths in 2018, I think. Um, and so we can actually connect from our house to a bunch of different places within the city. And we're on a bike path that is off the street. And so all we have to be concerned with then is crossing intersections, which is anywhere from not a problem to absolutely terrifying. It just, you know, depends. But, um, you know, we can we can hook up with uh, the lake that's nearby, which is about four miles away. We can run down to the Oklahoma River completely on on the bike path. Um, so we've got different directions that we can go, but we can only go on those paths. So on race day, you know, we, we go to a different location, which is exciting. There are people cheering, which is exciting. Um, there's a different energy, which is exciting. And, um, when we pass water stops, uh, I get him to hold up his hand for high fives, you know, and sort of yell out to the to the water crew, high fives, not water. And we'll zip past and he'll get five or ten high fives and he's just giggling the whole time. He just right. thinks it's the best thing in the world. Um, so uh, we're running the Oklahoma City Half Marathon this coming Sunday on April 24th. And uh, that's also one of his very favorite races because he knows it's a big deal and we have a an early morning routine for that and we park in the same place and we do the same things and you know he knows he knows sort of the difference between that race and other races and it's one that's really exciting to him because it takes a lot longer than a 5k or a 10k and so he gets to have people cheering for him for that much longer which he thinks is the best thing um but yeah, racing for him is, is if he could race every day, he would. Um, I don't know if I could race every day. I'd find a way. I don't know if it would be racing, but, <laughs> um, you know, but if he could have people cheering for him every day and, and going fast, then he would love, that would be, uh, his ideal life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, get, I mean, I think a lot of us wouldn't, wouldn't mind the opportunity to race every day if it, if it would work out. So I can, I can totally agree with him there. 
Um, when I was when I was in high school, a slight little aside, but this this will get back to the point I think in, in just a minute. Um, I kind of had a, a blurred lines relationship as a, as a friend slash babysitter slash tutor slash whatever you want to call it with with uh, you know somebody who was a few years younger than me, but he had cerebral palsy, pretty bad, you know, bound to a wheelchair. Um, and so where, where I'm going with this is I, I learned a lot about some of the logistics of you know being with someone, caretaking with someone who's, who's in a chair and, you know, always having to make sure you could find where the, where the ramps were. And, and, you know, when somebody would park in front of a, of a spot on the street and like how you had to Mm -hmm. navigate those types of things that, you know, I, I mean, I guess I was in high school, so who knows really, but like, I certainly wouldn't have necessarily paid attention to that type of thing until I I was with my friend and and we would be going places and doing things. Um, And and I'm curious to tie this back into, to, you know, you, you and Steven, um, on race day, what are some of those logistical things that that you have to navigate, that you have to be aware of, that us runners that that maybe you know, not for better or for worse, but we're not pushing a chair, so we're not as aware of. Like like, what are some of those things that you have to be aware of, and and maybe extra hurdles or challenges or or things that go into running a race than just start to finish, you know, if that question kind of makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Um, just in terms of registering, we have to know what the course is like. Mm-hmm. Is it on a a trail that is designed for bikes? Is it on an unpaved path? And if it's unpaved, there's just no way. Mm-hmm. Um, is it on streets that are going to be closed? Right. So we have to think about. And is it an out and back? Mm-hmm. And is it an out and back on the same course? Um, because an out and back on the same course is actually really dangerous because. Uh, Stephen and I are kind of fast, and so if we're heading back into a crowd that wants to fan out, um, it can be kind of scary. So we have to think about, you know, what is the the course actually like? How wide is it? Is it, you know, what's the what's the design? All these sorts of things. We also have to oftentimes contact the race director in terms of just registering for the race saying, you know, we're going to be registering wheelchair duos. We're going to register the person pushing the chair, but how can we register the person riding in the chair so that way that person um, gets the same sort of swag Mm -hmm. without paying for two people because we're not counting it as two. We're counting it as one, even though it's two. Um, And then on race morning – you know, we have to uh, get the chairs out of storage, rent a truck, bring it to the race site, get there early, um, try and get warmed up. Generally, we get a one to two minute head start on the field just for us to sort of get out of the chute and get out of the way, um, which is usually wonderful. But sometimes it results in me and Steven just sort of running by ourselves. Right which is kind of a bummer. Um, for the Oklahoma City Half Marathon, we start with the wheelchairs. So we start at 625, and then the race starts at 630, the half and the full. Um, so we have a five-minute start. And so, you know, over a half marathon, it's not a problem. We're going to get passed by the 5K mark. It's not a big deal. Um, and that's actually wonderful. We get a little escort until the the field catches up to us, which is fine. Um, but there's a lot of, of sort of planning behind the scenes that, you know, no one would see unless they're actually doing it. 
And uh, luckily, we've been doing this long enough now that I know all of the timing companies in the area. And they all, you know, it's easy enough to contact them in advance and say, hey, we're going to have four duos. And they say, great, how many minutes do you want ahead of time? And I say one and they say, perfect. You know, and it's it's easy now. But when we started, it was uh, far from easy. And I can still remember uh, a couple of different occasions. One race was uh, uh, we showed up and uh, I was told I, I, I can't be there. Right. I have to start in the back. And I said, this is a wheelchair and this is a wheelchair athlete and he's pushing himself and I'm pushing Steven in the wheelchair. But you didn't register as a wheelchair. Mm. OK, but I'm not in a wheelchair and I registered, but you can't start with the wheelchairs. OK, you're not listening at all. You know, I had one of those. And then even earlier, um, before we started getting head starts, before we'd started Team Hoyt, Oklahoma, um, I would just run with Steven and and they would allow me to you know be at the very front of the starting line. Well, not everyone thought that we should be there. And I remember one race where a runner went out of her way to get in front of us and then steer us into the curb wow. and make us hit the curb as as sort of making a point that we shouldn't be there. And um, I have a really sense, a really nasty sense of revenge, especially in the moment. And so I did something that I'm not the most proud of, um, but I got back going again and I used the front wheel of Stephen's wheelchair and I clipped her heel and tried to trip her and didn't and um, passed her and yelled something and um ended up finishing. And by the time we were done with our race and we'd gotten our water and cooled off and we're headed back to the car, this person was finishing. Mm. And so like this person used every ounce of energy to get in front of us and try and try and wreck the chair basically as just a point of why are you here? You don't belong here. Um, luckily, those sorts of incidents are are few and far between. We haven't had one of those in a long time, especially not at a race. Um, but you know, we get random vehicles shouting at us, and you know, what are you doing, and these sorts of things. Um, but generally, uh, the the reaction to us is extremely positive. Well, that's that's good to hear. And and uh, admittedly, I'm biased towards the running community, but I mean that's what I would expect from most of the running community. You're gonna in any, any big community, you're gonna have a couple bad apples that might try to steer you into the curb, which is ridiculous. But hopefully, for the most part, uh, we can be um, as as courteous and helpful and and whatever else as possible. Which I guess maybe brings me to you know kind of one of the last questions that I have for you um, as we're starting to wind down, Eric. But what what can we do those of us that are running a race we're running by ourselves we're out there for whatever our motivations are goals ambitions whatever um what can we do to be more supportive inclusive courteous like 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 what kind of things if you could if you could rattle off a few suggestions or you know wants or or whatever um for when you when you and steven or anybody else who's who's with a wheelchair athlete out there um what what can we do to make your race as positive experience as possible without you jeopardize in our race at all. Like how can we, how can we have the best of both worlds if, if that's a, if that's a possibility? Oh, sure. Um, you know, it's uh, to quote Patrick Swayze's character from roadhouse, be nice. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's, 
it's just a, a common courtesy. You know, we're all out there trying to do the same thing. Everyone is trying to cover the same distance. Um, and some of us are faster, some of us are slower. Uh, but those of us that are pushing chairs, we're always hyper aware of where we are on the course in terms of the distance, but also in terms of uh, to the inside, to the outside, right? And so, you know, we always try and stay, you know, to the inside or, or to one side. So that way, if someone's going to pass us, there's no problem, right? right? And, and so, you know, people that are faster than us, it's never a problem. Um, but, uh, you know, generally once you get going, you just sort of get in that zone and, you know, no one is out there weaving back and forth. We're all just, you know, kind of going in a straight line and everything sort of takes care of itself. Um, it is really nice if you're sort of cheering on the sidelines to not say, Hey, look, it's a stroller because it's not a stroller, man. I'm not pushing a three-year-old. This isn't a toddler, right? The, Stephen is 15. He's a teenager. Um, this is not a stroller. It's a wheelchair, which is, you know, one of the eternal battles that you fight because anything that is pushing someone that doesn't look like a wheelchair as depicted in the wheelchair icon right. is not a wheelchair. Um, so I guess maybe that's one thing is, you know, don't call it a stroller because <laughs> it's just not a stroller. Um, you know, but the other thing is, is, um, you know, it's, it's not a big deal. You don't need to tell me that I'm like superhuman because I'm pushing a wheelchair. I'm just doing the same thing that any parent does for his or her child. Right. It's just that my job is a little bit more, personal investment and effort, right? Steven gets to run a race over the weekend. And when he goes back to school on Monday, his friends can say, oh, I played in a baseball game on Saturday. Or, oh, I had a, you know, I did this, I did that. Steven can say, I ran a race. You know, he's participating in any sort of activity just like anyone else his age. Um, and if you're a parent, you're taking your kid to a ball game or whatever, you're there, you're watching. Instead, I have to make sure that he's able to cover that distance. I have a different level of physical investment, but it's the same level of time investment. I'm not doing anything that differently from any other parent. Although you might think I am, I'm not. Right. It just takes a little bit more physical effort on my part. Yeah. Well, and, and, and again, I mean, hopefully, it's, and it sounds like, for the most part, the experience is good. But yeah, you know. Don't call it a stroller. I think that's that's a good one. You know, just like just like some of us get a little sensitive when you start talking about, oh, I, I you know, you're jogging out there. Like, no, I'm freaking running. But like, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, maybe to a slightly different level. But it, you know, the, the 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 terminology matters. And so, you know, definitely call it call it call it what it is. It's a wheelchair. Period. Yep. Um, as as we're we're closing down today, Eric, I I, I would just be curious. I, I I typically end with something I call a philosophical question, which is kind of like the introductory question. It's open ended. You can take it where wherever you want to go with it. Um, but but uh, I'd be curious to to kind of get your perspective on what running means to you. Not not only as something that you do for yourself, but obviously something that you do um, with your son and, and the, 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 the bonding time that you have and the, the miles that you've been able to share together. Like, like what does that, the, the piece of the dynamic that is running, like, like how does, how does that, 
um, I don't know, I guess, how does that strengthen your relationship or what, what does that mean to you to be able to, to share that with your son in the way that you do? Yeah, it's uh, just one of the things that I look forward to every day. Um, the run is, is the time that I get to spend uh, with him always during the summer um, and oftentimes during the school year, always on the weekends unless it's too hot, too cold. Um, but that's, that's the time that we get to spend together and he knows that we have that time arranged and he looks forward to that as well. And when we run, I try and make it worth both of our time. You know, we don't go out and just run three miles. We'll go out and run eight or 10 or 12 or whatever. Um, and make sure that we actually get that time. And he has his iPad and, and he can talk to me if he wants to. Usually he's just watching something. Um, but he, uh, he's able to communicate to me, um, and we can talk. And, you know, one of my favorite memories of running with him is there is a day where, uh, apparently I, I was, you know, having an easy day or what I thought was an easy day. And he said faster with his iPad. And I said, okay, fine, but I'm going up the hill right now. And so he deleted it and in all caps yelled faster at me. And I said, all right, fine, we'll go faster. And we went faster and he was happy. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's this thing that, that I get to share with him that we both look forward to and is oftentimes one of the best parts of our day, if not the best part of our day. But it's also this thing that we can share with other people, both very directly in terms of, of Team Hoyt Oklahoma and having uh, disabled athletes and abled athletes running together as a group, but also, um, you know, with, with Facebook, with Twitter, with doing podcasts, with sort of sharing the story and, you know, showing people that. Stephen, even though he's disabled and even though he's non-speaking, has the same sort of needs and desires that, you know, anyone else does. He wants to be active. He doesn't just want to sit around and do nothing. He wants to go experience things, right? Even though he can't use his mouth to say, I want to go run, I know he wants to go run. Because if I ask him, Stephen, do you want to go run? He'll stop what he's doing and, and come to the door. Right? He knows exactly what the, what the order of events is. Um, so being able to, to share that sort of experience with people uh, really you know, across the world, um, we've linked up with a running group based in Wales called the Running Punks. And uh, Stephen has actually gotten a nickname now. He's known as Wheelie Punk because, you know, he's in the wheels. So, um, you know, he's he's absolutely been embraced and loved by that community. And, um, you know, so much so that we have to take uh, selfies after every uh, every run that we do. And Stephen, when you say to smile, he has a hard time making his face smile. So instead, he just opens his mouth really wide. Um, and so as a result, then, you know, oftentimes uh, people will take a, a post-run selfie and and have a big wide open mouth and say, oh, hey, this is the, the Steven pose or this is the wheelie pose. Right. And so, you know, being able to to have that sort of connection with people I've never met in real life and, and might not ever meet 
um, is just so special and, and just being embraced and supported by so many different communities, both local and, and around the United States with all the other Team Hoyt groups and, you know, across the world is, is just wonderful and is just so meaningful and, and makes what I do worthwhile. I love it. I love it. And hopefully, uh, many more good miles and good and good selfies, uh, to come. But, uh, y'all, if, if you, uh, enjoyed today's conversation, if you want to support Team Hoyt, Team Hoyt, Oklahoma, um, you know, it, like he said, it, like Eric said, it's a 501c3, so donations are always welcome. Or if you know somebody in the Oklahoma area that might benefit from, you know, having having access or having questions or things like that about running with someone in a chair, uh, teamhoytok.com. And if you want to connect with with Eric on Twitter and see some of those uh, selfies from from Stephen and and just connect and say hey and 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 follow along with the journey, um, it's at Eric J Heine again E R I K the letter J H E I N E on Twitter. Dizruns.com slash 1052. Dizruns.com slash 152. We'll get you 1052. Let me get that correct. Uh, we'll get you back to the show notes for today. Links, photos, the whole nine as per usual. So, Eric, thanks for uh, for taking the time today. Thanks for sharing some of your story and, and obviously Stephen's story, which they're all they're all intertwined, of course. But um, I appreciate the time and, and uh, thanks for for all you do for the for the running community, for your son. I mean, as, as a parent, I mean, you're going to do what you can for your kids, of course. Um, but, uh, have, have a great race this weekend, which will be like three weeks ago as people listen to this, but Hey, we're talking in the real world. So have a great race this weekend. Um, can't wait to, to hear how it goes on social media and, and wish you nothing but the best going forward. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Eric and myself. And as per usual, be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was your takeaway du jour? Du jour. For me, it was it was early in the chat when Eric was talking about you know eight straight years of running two thousand plus miles, and I, I kind of asked him. I think I legitimately asked him, literally asked him, you know what what do you do to stay healthy? How do how do you how do you dodge the injury bullet that uh, so many runners uh, are you know somewhat regular victims by, and and certainly myself recently been been struck a couple times by the injury bug. You know what what have you been doing to to stay healthy? And he talked about the routine maintenance that he does. And specifically for him, what, what he's found that works is seeing a chiropractor on a, pretty much a monthly basis. Maybe, maybe I'm assuming here, but maybe whether he really feels like he needs to or not. And while I'm not, not necessarily advocating to go see a chiropractor or a masseuse or anything like that, although if, if you have the opportunity, Hey, I don't think there's, a, I don't think it's a bad idea, but just, just the, the reminder of the, the importance of routine maintenance and staying on top of things, and and maybe it's a little bit top of mind as I'm as I'm working back from my second injury of the year, um, or or maybe it's just top of mind anyway. If you've been listening long enough, you, you've heard me talk about routine maintenance before, and doing the little things, and staying on top of things, and being proactive, trying to stay healthy, and it's just it's just so easy to to overlook, especially when the, when the body feels good, when you're moving well, when you're when you're logging the miles, when you're when you're getting faster, setting PRs, hitting goals. It's real easy, at least for me, <laughs> to uh, let some of those little things slide, let some of that maintenance work slide. And then if you're not careful, which clearly I wasn't, haven't been careful, it catches up to you. And you're reminded that staying on top of those things and, and doing the work is kind of important. So, you know, again, whether that means scheduling an appointment with somebody to get their hands on you and feel some things. And, and I'll tell you what, you know, from, from being an athletic trainer back in the day and, and having that be part of my past life and working with the same athletes 
over and over and over again, whether they were, you know, dealing with a niggle or whether they're just trying to stay healthy and do this, some of that routine maintenance, like those professionals, those chiropractors, those massage therapists, those PTs that you might work with, your, your, your running coaches, whatever the case might be, they get to know you, know you and your body pretty well, especially when you're able to work with them hands-on, like having a, a chiropractor, a physical therapist, a, a massage therapist. They know your body almost as well as you do. And they can, they can oftentimes tell that something's maybe a little bit off without you even telling them. Um, because they just, they just get to know your body so well, which all that to say, if you can make that work again, it it can be a huge piece of the puzzle to staying healthy. But if you can't, there's so many things you can do for yourself. There's so many resources available, YouTube books, hopefully a few on the podcast, the little things course, like all the things you just got to do them. None of them, none of the things work if you don't do the things right. The foam roller that's collecting dust in the corner right now is not helping you. You get on the foam roller, it has a chance to help you. Same thing with the yoga mat, same thing with the with the lacrosse ball, same thing with the the chiropractor that you haven't scheduled an appointment with for six months. Like you, you gotta use the tools or the people to to reap the benefits. And so again, my, my takeaway, and this is this is as more for I would say as much for me, probably more for me than it is for for anybody else right now. Just remembering and recognizing the importance of staying on top of of your routine maintenance work, and uh, making it a routine, making it as much of a non-negotiable as going for that run every day or whatever days that you normally run. Make that foam rolling, stretching, warm up, cool down, whatever whatever routine works for you. Seeing the chiropractor, whatever it might be, um, make it happen because it sucks to be injured. <laughs> it sucks to be injured. I'm recording this while I'm still injured. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this, I'm not injured. Jury's out on that one. I'll I'll report back in a few weeks when this episode goes live after it's now been recorded. But anyway, that's my takeaway from from today. What about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? Would love to hear it. If you're willing to share it, I'm at DizRuns on Twitter, at DizRuns on Instagram. You can always slide into the DMs or tag me in a post with your thoughts and feedbacks. You can also send an email to DizRuns at gmail.com. And of course, of course, of course, you can head over to the show notes for today's episode. Uh, which you can get to by pointing your browser at disruns.com slash 1052, disruns.com slash 1052. And uh, of course, we got photos, we got links, and we got that comment section down at the bottom of the page. Scroll on down, leave your thoughts and feedbacks there, and uh, I will get back to you with any replies as well. But certainly, again, always love to hear your feedback, whatever method of feeding back works best for you. Last but not least, if you want to get your name in the hat for the giveaway that I'll be picking a new winner in just a couple days as this episode goes out. If you're listening to this already in, uh, you know, mid, mid June, um, sorry, you missed, you missed the June giveaway, but there's another one coming next month. So get yourself entered no matter what time you're listening to this, when you are in the month listening to this episode, the odds of winning the next giveaway are never better than they are right now. Disruns.com slash giveaway is the link to get your name in the hat. You can also get there from the homepage at Disruns.com. Whichever works better for you works just fine for me. You get the, you get your name in the hat in both places, and then you've got a chance to work with me for free. But you got to be in it if you want to win it. So get yourself entered Disruns.com slash giveaway. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, y'all. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Thanks for taking Eric and I with you today, wherever it was we went today. And uh, hopefully, you'll take... You'll take me with you again somewhere in the future, whether it's a solo episode, whether it's the next interview, whatever the case might be. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you tuning in. 
And until next time, y'all be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Later, y'all.